So uh, today we're going to start uh, working through the working through the Psalms. Uh, as you know, <clears throat> over the years I've bounced around with different things in the afternoon service, and um, Marlon had the idea that he had seen in Cambridge, uh, where they go through uh, the Psalm a Psalm a, a month, and uh, and so uh, we're we're going to adopt that uh, that pattern and. Just work through the Psalter, and we'll do the Psalm of the Month for every month, and then the uh, the the second service, the sec- uh, Lord's Supper week, will be a sermon on that on that Psalm. And so we'll uh, we'll start at the beginning. I, I did calculate uh, at one point how wh- what week I would be on, uh, how many months that is. What's twelve times twenty uh, plus uh, maybe four? So um, anyway, we're going to start at one. We're not going to try and do that. Uh, so we'll we'll uh, we'll begin here with Psalm one that's on page five fifty two in your pew Bible. So Psalm one, uh, the righteous and the wicked uh, contrasted, is the uh, title given in the uh, the uninspired title given in the uh, in the Bible here, uh, the NASB. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. When uh, when I was a uh, when I was a kid, we went yearly to a, a church camp in in uh, near Uniontown. It's called Jamonville. Many of you may be familiar with it. And uh, one of the neat things about the camp is the uh, the paths in the woods, uh, and uh, there's historical markers about the French and Indian War, a battle that occurred there. And uh, I remember used to uh, really like going through the path, going down through the paths in the woods. But it was fun to see when when there was a division where you would end up uh, if you took one path versus taking another. And yet, uh, even up there, because of the historical uh, nature of it. Some of the paths were clearly marked that if you went to the left, you would end up at point A. If you went to the right, you'd end up at point B. And that's really helpful when the paths are marked. Well, today we look at Psalm 1, where God clearly marks the paths, the two paths in life that we can walk. And he tells us where they lead, what their destination is. And so the point of that is to inform us of of these paths and such that we would follow the path of righteousness and not follow the path of wickedness that leads to destruction. And we begin with uh, with uh, point number one, the wicked and the righteous in verses one and two. A Psalm 1 does not have a superscription before the lyrics, so we're not told uh, the name of the author. Uh, the name is, or the psalm rather, is categorized as a wisdom psalm, and there are several of these in the Psalter. 
Uh, they teach the Lord's covenant people how to live in a way that honors God and obeys his word. Uh, Psalm 1's basic purpose is to encourage the people of God to follow the Lord our God with all our hearts. Uh, the psalmist does this by presenting two possible paths to walk in this life. The way of the righteous who delight in God and in his law, or the way of the wicked who rebel against the Lord and his law. And the psalm presents the everyday and eternal blessings of following the way of righteousness, as well as the everyday and eternal ruin of following the wicked way. Now keep in mind that uh, this psalm is written to the people of God, uh, the covenant community, uh, the visible Old Testament church. Yet there are still two paths presented. It's a reminder that being raised in Israel or being raised in the church or being part of the church does not mean that one is necessarily a believer. One must choose to repent and believe personally and take the path of righteousness and, and blessing and eternal life all by God's grace alone. Yet even as true believers who are in the church, there is a temptation that we face all the time to stray off the path. And at times believers do stray off the path and come under uh, ungodly influence or themselves pursue an unrighteous direction. And so the psalm is a call back to faith and, and to get back on the Lord's path of righteousness as well if one has strayed. We are to follow Jesus and receive the great blessings that we have of belonging to him by following the path of righteousness. Uh, the psalm begins in these, these first two verses. It starts off by saying, uh, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Uh, the word blessed refers to that joyful uh, state of, of God's favor resting upon us by his grace alone. Uh, blessedness is a gift of God and, and is not earned or deserved. Uh, by his grace, God calls us to himself in the gospel and forgives our sins and sets us apart to live for him. Uh, while the word for blessed can be translated and sometimes is translated happy, uh, that that's uh, usually not, not, uh, not the best way to translate it because that would imply that believers' lives will, will be without sadness or struggle or pain. That is not what the Scripture says. Rather, blessed in uh, the truest sense refers to an inter, uh, inner and uh, God-given satisfaction uh, that, that we have of knowing that God's grace is upon us. And we enjoy his fellowship uh, no matter what his providence might bring our way. And so we can be thoroughly blessed even at times of great unpleasantness and difficulty. Our psalm sets a way of life, a way of conduct, a way of character of a person who knows and follows God. So blessedness works both ways. If uh, we think about it in this psalm, you are blessed to belong to God by his grace and he calls us to live appropriately and to follow the path of his law. 
And when we follow God's law and reject the, the path of wickedness, there will be blessings added to us by God's grace, a greater joy and a greater contentment in the heart as we live lives that, that give thanks and honor the God who has saved us by his grace. Verse 1 begins by saying what the blessed do not do um, and uh, describes it first in that sense. And it does so by vividly picturing how we are to be separate from the wicked influences of the world around us. Notice the gradual progression of influence and comfortableness with sin that's pictured here. It begins with walking in their counsel and then standing in the way in their way of living and then sitting in their company. Now, seeking the counsel of those who oppose the Lord and slowly adopting and adapting to their lifestyle and then being comfortable in their mocking of those who have no respect for God and his word. That is included here as well. There's a reminder here that the more we keep company with them, the more that we are likely to become like them. And so we are warned. And so the point, however, is not that we cannot associate or be friends or, or relatives uh, with unbelievers, but rather to maintain a godly separation from their lifestyles and their counsel and their ideas. Uh, because if we do not, they will exert an influence that is contrary to God's way. In contrast, verse 2 says that the blessed man uh, finds his delight in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. Instead of taking advice and counsel from the wicked world, the believer is to continually study God's law, the, the word of God. Uh, the word meditates uh, means to mutter or murmur. and carries the idea of repeating God's word to yourself in order to memorize it and, and to think on it and more fully understand and apply it. Uh, remember, uh, most Old Testament uh, believers did not have copies of the word of God in their homes. Uh, they would hear it, and they would have to repeat it and memorize it and think about it in that sense. And so we are encouraged to do the same thing. We have the blessing of copies of God's word, but we are to apply ourselves to learning it and, and memorizing it and seeking to apply it to our lives. Our lives are to reflect regular reading and reflection on God's word as we hear it preached and as we read it ourselves and, and discuss it amongst one another. And it is a blessing uh, to impact how we think and what we believe and how we live and really impacts who we are. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so the word of God is a powerful thing and, and we are to dwell on it. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul writes that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And so uh, these uh, passages encourage us uh, to, to be students of God's word and to seek to be changed by it. 
Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7, speaking of loving God and dwelling on God's word in our lives and in our families. We read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And so it is to be an everyday part of our lives uh, all throughout the day to dwell on God's word. And notice how this contrasts with the wicked progression in verse 1. Here, instead of walking, standing, or sitting in the counsel and company of the ungodly, we are to dwell on God's word. When we're sitting down or walking or lying down or rising as we interact with others. And so it is, it is the, uh, the flip side of, of dwelling and getting counsel from the world. Here it comes from God's word as we share it and, uh, and we devote ourselves to it as individuals as well. Well, second, the fruitful tree and the dry chaff in verses 3 and 4. Now here the psalmist contrasts how each road or, or way or path uh, works out. And he gives an example here from nature. Uh, the blessedness of the godly is compared to a tree that is planted by a source of water, a stream. And, and so it's always green and always bears fruit in season. Now the source of water here, the stream, represents the word of God. When we attend to God's word and have ourselves spiritually rooted in it, we will be continually refreshed and watered. We will thrive and flourish and grow in our spiritual lives when we are well watered with the word. Uh, the prospering here is not a guarantee of, of money. Maybe in our culture we see prospering and uh, we, we think of finances. But here there is a spiritual prospering that's being spoken of, spoken of here. And our lives lived for the Lord as we fellowship with him and spend time in his word. Jesus says in John 15, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we are reminded of the fruitfulness and uh, uh, the, the blessing of, of abiding in, in, in maintaining our fellowship with Jesus. And part of the way in which we do that includes time in his word and meditation on it. Verse 4 presents the contrast then with the wicked. Here they are pictured as chaff. That's the leftover stalks and shells from the wheat harvest. And they are dry and dead, and they blow away with the wind. And here is a, an accurate and grim picture of a life lived apart from God and apart from following his word. It may seem like a path that is promising, but in the end, the person who neglects or refuses God and his word will end up dead and fruitless. And so let us speak, seek to spend time in God's word and dwell on it and to be well watered as we attend to our relationship with him in this way. Well, third and finally, 
life and death in verses 5 and 6. And here the psalmist concludes the song by revealing uh, the contrasting final destinations of the two roads, the two paths of life. The wicked, those who wanted no part of following the Lord or giving attention or submission to his word, find themselves condemned by the Lord as they are in his, or they stand before him. Certainly all of us will give an account when we die and on the last great day. And Jesus will return and will judge all those who have ever lived and those who have not trusted in him and do not know the forgiveness found only in him and his grace uh, will be condemned. Notice uh, that the wicked are also referred to in our psalm as sinners in in parallel here. And they are then separated at judgment from the assembly of the righteous. The blessed from verse 1 are here called the righteous. Uh, We need to be careful. Uh, Psalm 1 does not present a salvation by our works or by our righteousness. Scripture is clear that each one of us is a sinner and we cannot gain salvation by our own works of obedience. Galatians 3 and 10, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. We know that we are saved by God's grace as we depend upon Jesus' perfect life and atoning death to reconcile us to God. Uh, The calling of believers as righteous here, then, as it's not about us earning righteousness to salvation, is much like how New Testament believers are called saints or holy ones. By God's grace, we're declared to be holy and righteous by, uh, by Christ's righteousness being applied to us. So we've gone through Romans 1 and 17. The one who is righteous by faith shall live. And in that new life and salvation, we're enabled to grow in actual righteousness and actual godly, godliness as God the Holy Spirit works in us and as we make the most of that. And so we are commanded in Ephesians 4, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. And so there is a a real sense in which we can be called the righteous. We are not perfect, but we show evidence of God's grace and his fruitfulness in us. And so that separates us from those who have lived apart from God and as they stand before him are dry and without fruit at all. And so there's an encouragement here to pursue a life of godliness uh, by God's grace. And so honor the God who has saved you and changed you and made you righteous in Christ. Before we, uh, we conclude, it's good to ask, how do we see Jesus in this psalm? Well, he alone perfectly fulfills this psalm's description of a righteous man. Uh, Even as we uh, want to follow this path, we will not be perfect at it. But we praise God that Jesus was. He never walked in the counsel of the wicked. He didn't stand in the way of sinners. He didn't sit in the seat of scoffers. Instead, he meditated on God's word, and he learned it, and he lived it, and he did that perfectly for our sakes. Uh, Even as a boy, he was devoted to God's word. Uh, You may recall in 
in Luke chapter 2. There's the account of when uh, Joseph and Mary lost him in Jerusalem. They came for the feast and they later found him at the temple. We read there, Then after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? And so Jesus is the great example there of of a believer uh, devoting himself to the study of God's word and, uh, and living it. In his ministry, we know that he quoted scripture often. He had it in his heart as well as lived, living it out. And he spoke often of doing the will of his father. And he kept God's law. And so it is by his obedience that we are saved, as we noted earlier. We also see Jesus in this psalm in the judgment. Uh, God the Father has given judgment on the last day to Jesus. In Acts 17 and 31, Paul says, God the Father has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. And so uh, we can't think of judgment without thinking of Jesus. Uh, He will be our judge, but for believers he will also be our savior. For those who do not trust in him and who stay on the wicked path, They will be judged and condemned. We're reminded then of the hope that's offered in the gospel in John 3.36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And so this psalm calls on us to trust in the Lord for salvation and as saved persons to follow God in his ways with all our hearts and to know his blessing. Commentator Dane Ortland writes, In a sustained contrast, Psalm 1 reminds us that in the end, there are only two ways to live. And whatever else happens in our lives today, the crucial bottom line question is, which of the two ways described in the psalm will I embrace? Will we listen to the voice of, of life or to the voices of death? Walk with God. Soak in his word. Take his yoke upon you. You will be blessed, truly happy, with a happiness the winds of trial cannot blow away. Uh, As believers, we are to be careful to avoid the ways of the world and its wisdom, which is ultimately sinful and wicked. May we be thoughtful and prayerful students of God's word and seek to apply it to all of life by God's grace and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. May we be fruitful believers and live lives that show his work and grace in us. And may we face death and the judgment in the full confidence of his grace of salvation and what he has done for us in Christ. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank you and praise you for this this portion of your word and ask that you would apply it to our hearts. We do thank you for the presentation of the two paths here. And we, we praise you 
that you have worked in our lives, that we, uh, we follow you. And may you. May you strengthen us and enable us to turn from uh, the wicked influences around us. May we be uh, diligent to, uh, to attend to your word and worship and, uh, during the week and seek to apply it to our lives. And uh, may we look forward uh, to uh, the judgment with confidence and anticipation as we know that we have been redeemed and forgiven in Jesus Christ. And may we be praying for those around us uh, who are on uh, the path of wickedness, uh, that you by your grace would, would work in them uh, so that they would see the error of that and that they would turn and know the salvation offered in Christ. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.